0: All right, how many are happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Can you say amen? Amen. God is so good. I'm just going to, first of all, we're starting a new series today. It's a four-part series. It's called Adventus. Adventus is the Latin form of the word advent. Advent is celebrated by the church, has been celebrated by the church for nearly 2,000 years now. And advent is a Latin term that literally means arrival. It's how the church prepares itself for Christmas morning, the arrival of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to look at one verse of scripture this morning. It's in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 37. And it says, For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. The first candle of Advent. In Advent, they light four candles on four consecutive Sundays leading up to Christmas morning. The first candle of Advent is the candle of hope. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Father, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would visit your people today. And that you would speak hope to every hopeless heart. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. For in just a little while... He who is coming will come and will not delay. In just a little while, that phrase indicates a delay. But the verse ends by saying he will not delay. The verse begins by saying he will delay. The verse ends by saying he will not delay. Delay. Hmm. Delay is a dangerous thing because what can happen When a delay lasts for too long is a loss of hope. And the human person was not designed to live without hope. You were not designed to live without hope. You were not designed to live a day without hope. Hope is the engine that drives, that powers the human person. And when you run out of it, you run out of gas. Just like a car cannot drive without gasoline, or an electric vehicle without electricity. Yeah. The human person cannot exist without hope. Yeah. And hope transpires in the midst of a delay. Mm. At the heart of the teaching of the, of the Bible, and specifically of the New Testament, is the concept of delay, Matter of fact, the entire New Testament as a whole was written to answer this question. How can we tolerate the delay? How can we cope with the delay? How can we remain faithful in the face of the delay between the first and second comings of Jesus Christ? You see, the entire New Testament document was written to answer this question. Every book in the New Testament was written to answer this question. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts, and all of the Pauline epistles, and and the the pastoral epistles, and the book of Revelation were all written to give us encouragement in the midst of an extended delay. Advent. The way they experienced Advent in the beginning was the virgin birth. The child was born. And it took Revelation to recognize that this is what we have been waiting for for thousands of years. They were waiting for the coming. And if you read the Old Testament, the entire Old Testament was written to spark hope in the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the Lord, the coming of the kingdom of God, the coming of the Davidic ruler who would come and would rule over them with the rod of iron. He would reestablish the throne of David, and he would order it and establish it forever. The entire Old Testament was designed to inspire hope in the coming. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is born, and he's just a baby. And the prophetic word would come, first through the angelic visitation to the shepherds on the hill, the prophetic word would come to them to say, what you've been waiting for has just been born in the city of Bethlehem. What you've been crying for, what you've been asking for, has just been born in the city of Bethlehem. And they, through the eyes of faith, because they believed the announcement of the angels, they went to Bethlehem and they saw a baby doing everything that babies do looking just like a normal baby, not working any miracles, not healing any sick people, but because they believed the announcement of the angels, they had the faith to see in this baby the fulfillment, the satisfaction of all of their dreams, all of their hopes, what they had been longing for. This is it. This child, this baby born of a virgin on the eighth day his parents take him to the temple and there was this dude named Simeon who was told by the spirit of god you're not going to die until you see the kingdom come and he's like in his late 90s he knows that he's he's his days are numbered on the earth that any minute he's going to take a dirt nap he knows that his time is coming to an end and he doesn't see anything changing There's nothing to extrapolate. There's there's no gradual change happening. I mean, you know, if I'm going to see the kingdom come by this date, I need to see it begin to come 20 years earlier so that I can extrapolate. Oh, I could see this transpire and then this transpire and then this transpire, and within 20 years we'll have it. But there was nothing to extrapolate, no change. Until one day, he comes to the temple as usual, and he sees a mother taking a baby, to be circumcised. And the Holy Spirit speaks to him and says, there he is. Yeah. You just saw the kingdom come. Yeah. And because he has faith to believe the word that God just spoke to him, he goes to the mother and takes the baby and says, now I can die. <laughs> I've seen the Messiah. The Lord told me I wouldn't die till, saw, till I saw him. Now my eyes have seen him. And he rejoiced. But it's just a baby. Not a miracle working baby, just a baby. So often the answer to our prayers comes in a form that we do not expect. Comes in a form that changes nothing. Comes in a form that does not affect our situation. And God says, there it is. Everything has changed. It's been born in a manger. It's a baby. The the coming of this baby changes everything. Everything. And you either have the faith to believe it or you don't. John the Baptist had a real problem. I mean, imagine he's born. The shepherds know it. The wise men know it. His parents know it. But nobody else knows it. Everything's changed, but it's a secret. Only a handful of people know it. The shepherds probably went back to their field thinking everything's going to change. But nothing changed. For the rest of their lives, nothing changed. The wise men probably went back to the east thinking everything's going to change, but nothing changed for the rest of their lives. Nothing changed. And then John the Baptist comes. And John the Baptist has this revelation from God that Jesus is the Messiah. He says, I baptize you with water, but one is coming after me who's greater than I. I I baptize you with water. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I'm not even worthy to unlatch his sandals. And then Jesus comes on the scene and John sees him and says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And John is thinking, Everything's going to change. Yeah. Jesus calls his disciples and John is thinking, Oh, shoot, here it is. Everything's going to change. And then John is thrown in prison and nothing seems to change. Yeah. And John finally gets so disillusioned that he sends a message to Jesus by one of his disciples saying, Are you the one? Or do we wait for another? I thought things would change by now. They told me that if I came to Jesus and surrendered my life to Jesus, my life would change. They told me that if I came to church every Sunday and said my prayers and learned the songs and memorized scripture, if I started to give my tithes and offering, things would change. But how come nothing is changing in my life? You see, delay is something that every believer has to deal with. Every believer has to deal with. Every believer has to deal with the expectation that God was going to change something that God does not change. The expectation that God was going to fix something that God does not fix. Are you the one? Or do I wait for another? I came to Jesus because I needed a husband, but I still ain't got a husband. I've been here at this church for 20 years. I've tithed faithfully. I serve in the ministries. What's going on, Jesus? I'm still broke. My baby toe still hurts. I still got gout. My blood pressure is still not under control. I thought something would change. And what happens in the beginning when there's a delay, you can tolerate it for a certain amount of time. It's like, I'm still believing I just believe it. I'm still believing. Sonny and I get married. We spend that first year together just loving each other and having a good time. And then after about a year, we say, okay, let's, let's try to have a baby. Okay. It's so, okay. We're going to try to have a baby. Okay, your, we just set the clock, you know, look at the cycle. Okay. So these are the days when you can conceive and, you know, you do the right stuff during those days. And you expect to conceive. But then that period comes around. A month later, it's like, okay, it didn't work this time, but we're gonna try again next month. Okay, it still didn't work, we're gonna try again next month. And the first few of those, you don't freak out. It's like, ah, it'll take a few months. And then a year goes by, and you still don't really freak out. Ah, it'll take a, a year or two. And then five years go by. And there's always a point where you start to come to the end of your faith. You start to come to the end of your expectation. You start to come to the end of your hope. You start to come to the end of your expectation that God is going to do something. And it's at that place where you start coming to the end of your hope that you start feeling the temptation to throw in the towel. Forget it. I'm tired of hoping because hope is a burden. You were not designed to live without hope, but hope is a burden. Especially when hope is in the, in, the, in the presence of an extended weight carrying that burden of hope. It gets heavier every month. It gets heavier every week. It gets heavier every year. And at a certain point, hope becomes a crushing burden, a crushing weight that's going to crush you to the ground and destroy you, it feels like. Yeah, yeah. So the temptation is, let me just get rid of this burden of hope. Yeah. Let me just stop expecting God to do it. Yeah. And free myself like a bird. I had a believer tell me one time, I don't ever feel discouraged because I don't expect God to do anything. And he thought that was a mark of maturity. Can you imagine your child not expecting anything from you and so they never get disappointed? I'd rather my child be disappointed than not expect anything from me. Because the moment my child stops expecting to receive something from me, that's the moment they cease to believe that they are my child. If my child doesn't expect me to feed them and care for their, if my, my child does not believe that my daddy will supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory, if my child doesn't believe that, then my child doesn't believe that she is my child. But as long as she is my child, she's going to have to believe that my daddy is going to provide for me. And some things that I want, he may not provide for me when I want them. But I just have to believe that he's got a timing. And that his timing is perfect. Or he's got a reason. And his reason is perfect. But a relationship that is devoid of hope is also Devoid of love. Yeah. Love cannot survive in the absence of hope. I'll never forget, Sonny and I were going on about seven years where we had been praying for our child. And that's when the hopelessness started to hit me. And I was fighting it every day. Fighting it every day. Fighting the desire to just throw in the towel. So you don't know, forget it. You know, if God wanted us to have a child, he would have given us by one, one by now. Yeah. We might as well just accept that God's called us to be childless. But there was something inside that could not, I just could not accept it. You know, true hope that comes from the Holy Spirit cannot be put to death. Yeah. You know why we called our church Living Hope when we started it? Because of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us new birth into a living hope yeah. through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Yeah. He's given us new birth into a living hope. Let me tell you something, that when God puts a hope on the inside of you, the, you can't kill it, but you can ignore it. Mm. Yeah. And you ignore it to your own hurt. You ignore it because it becomes too painful at a certain point. What you don't realize is that if you ignore that living hope and begin to pretend that you don't believe for it anymore, if you ignore that living hope and pretend that you don't want it anymore, you are simply committing soul suicide. You are doing damage to your own soul. Let that living hope live and embrace the pain that comes with it. There comes a time where we come before the Lord and say, Lord, it hurts to still believe this. It would be easier if you would take this hope from me but I thank you that that living hope does not die so I don't care how painful it is I'm going to hold on to this hope because I was not designed to live without hope hope deferred produces desperation hope deferred produces desperation I'll never forget in the seventh year I started to have these experiences where my wife and I would be out on the road somewhere, driving somewhere, and the desperation would hit. And when we'd go home, I'd fall on the floor in the living room, and I would weep, and I'd cry out. God, give me my child. Give, you give me my child, God. It's like a desperate. You give me my child. We just weep before the Lord. God, give us a child. God, you give me my child. Yes, I'm throwing a tantrum. The beautiful thing is I don't have to be perfectly mature in the Lord all the time when I'm talking to the Lord. Sometimes I can just be a little child and little children throw tantrums sometimes. And you know what? When my daughter would throw tantrums, I would just hold her. I would just be, wouldn't push her away because she was throwing a tantrum. I would throw tantrums before the Lord. Why? Because of the desperation in my heart. Just like Hannah when she was in the tabernacle with Eli and she was weeping. He, she was weeping so profusely he thought she was drunk. She's like, I'm not drunk, I'm desperate. Desperation requires that you do not relinquish your hope. You wonder why you're not desperate for God because somewhere along the line, you buried your hope in the ground. You decided not to hope for it anymore. You relieved yourself of the pain of hoping and you did not realize that in the absence of that hope, you have no desperation. Desperation requires hope. Desperation is what God often waits for before he breaks through. Whenever I find that my desperation has begun to wane, I realize I surrendered my hope somewhere. And here's the crazy thing. That living hope, you can bury it. And you can bury it to the extent that you don't hear it anymore. Hmm. You don't see it anymore. You think it's dead, but it ain't dead. It's just buried. You locked it in a room. My dog, she's got this thing where she thinks she's a protector. She ain't protecting nobody. She just barks a big game. You know what I'm talking about? Just always barking like she's going to do something. But if there was a real intruder, she would run. She'd be the first one hiding. (laughs) Right? But sometimes she barks in the middle of the night. And it drives me crazy. So I put her crate in the laundry room, and then I close the laundry room door at night. And then there's another hallway door that I close. And then our bedrooms are on the other side of the house. So what happens is when I put her in there and close those doors, she can bark all she wants at night. I'm not going to hear her. That's what you do to your hope sometimes. You put it in the laundry room. Then I even put a blanket over her crate. It's like an acoustic barrier. That's what some of you here have done with your hope. It disturbs you so much. It's so painful to carry that you've put it in a room and you've covered it with a blanket and you've closed a door and you've closed another door and then you've gone to the other side of your house. And you haven't heard it in so long that you think it's dead. I guarantee you if you go back and open the door that hope is still there because it's a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, which means that the only way for that hope to die is if Jesus Christ himself died again. But he ever liveth to make intercession for the saints. He ain't dying again. And that hope isn't dying again. And we close the door on hope because we want to alleviate ourselves of the pain, not realizing that the hopeless life is far more painful by orders of magnitude. It's far more painful to live a hopeless life than it is to hope for something. Listen, it's better to hope for something for the rest of my life and not get it than to live without hope for another minute of my life. For in just a little while, He who is coming, which is Advent, coming, or arrival, will come, will arrive. Let me tell you something. If that hope is truly from God, it is a promise from God. If that hope is truly from God, it is a promise from God. If that hope is truly from God. Now, sometimes we have hopes that are not from God. You remember the movie Cool Runnings, where the guy carried around a picture of Buckingham Palace, and he said, I'm going to live there one day. That hope ain't from God. If you're Jamaican, you ain't going to live at Buckingham Palace one day. It's just not going to happen. You have to be able to discern between a hope that's from God and a hope that is not from God. But maybe underneath that hope of living in Buckingham Palace, there was a hope of breakthrough wealth that is from God. Maybe you're stuck on marrying, I don't know, Angelina Jolie. I, I don't know, I just threw that out. Not, maybe not. Whoever, I don't know who the kids are, whatever. Maybe you need to let go of that specific person that you're fixated on and just embrace the hope beneath it that God's going to give you the spouse of his choosing. Because sometimes human hope disrupts divine hope. Sometimes human hope becomes a shield of divine hope. Sometimes we've misinterpreted divine hope. And applied it to an object that's not God. I used to tell Sonny that. Before we dated or anything. I used to tell her, you know. I asked her one day, what are you looking for in a husband? She named, I want a pastor, preacher powerful preacher, man of God. And then uh, she named all these other things and he's got to be a Korean. (laughs) Tall, skinny, long hair, (laughs) athletic, older than me. But he's got to be a preacher. And I said, you know, I think God could send you a preacher who's not Korean or skinny or tall (laughs) or a soccer player, or rich, or a Korean tall with long hair, soccer player, you would still pick the Korean. And she goes, you're right. And I said, I think you need to open your heart. Because God might have something for you that doesn't come in the package that you think is gonna come in. I didn't realize I was prophesying. I didn't realize I spoke the word of the Lord in that moment. I was the prophet of God. <laughs> ah! God has a sense of humor. Sometimes that process of burying your old hope is a purifying process. Because sometimes that divine hope has been wedded to a human hope. Wow. Yeah. Good. And the only way to put it to death is to bury both of them. And then when you come back and dig it up again, the human hope died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Because the one thing about the flesh, it's easy to kill. Sometimes everything has to be shaken so that that which cannot be shaken may remain. Amen. Yeah. And sometimes that's what the delay is about. Yeah. God's saying, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans of good, not of evil. To prosper you, not to harm you. You may think your hope is dead, but your hope ain't dead. You might have buried it a long time ago, yeah. but it still lives. Yeah. Amen. And today, on this first Sunday of Advent, yeah. the promise of his coming, yeah. it rings in the atmosphere. Mm. I could hear this verse of scripture just ringing out in my spirit last night. Behold, the day cometh when he who is coming will come and will not delay. The day is coming, for in just a little while, the delay is going to be over. That's the word of the Lord to you today. In just a little while, the delay is going to be over. And the crazy thing is that when you're in the midst of the delay, it feels like it lasts forever. But when the delay ends, once Aletheia was born, it felt like no time at all. We don't even remember that period anymore. It's like life just took off. Time just sped up. He's been preparing you all this time. But you weren't designed to live without hope. And some of you here in this place today, you need to go back and dig up old hopes that you buried. Stuff that you stopped hoping for that came from the deepest desires of your heart. Go back to it and see if it's still alive. I guarantee you it's still there. On the first Sunday of Advent, we light the candle of hope. We're not lighting a physical candle today. God wants to light a candle in your heart. He wants to relight that candle of hope in your heart and in every season you need something to hope for if you are in a season in your life in which you have nothing to hope for you need to get on your knees and ask God to give you something yeah, yeah, yeah. because without something to hope for it's like a car with no engine yeah. Yeah. the pg and is off there's no power to your house Hope powers you. Hope gives you something to wake up for in the morning. Hope gives you joy in the morning. It gives you love during the day, and it gives you peace at night. If you don't have hope, you can't sleep in peace. If you don't have hope, you can't wake in joy. If you don't have hope, you can't walk in love. And I don't care how rich you are. Riches are no substitute for peace, joy, and love. You can be the richest person on earth and have no hope and no peace and no love and no joy, and you are living the most miserly existence imaginable. rekindle the fire of your hope today Amen. dig it up Every morning when I wake up, the first thing I do is I go open the hallway door and open the laundry room door and pull off the covering over the crate and open that crate and let joy out and take her outside for a pee and bring her inside and refill her bowl so that she can eat and play with her and hug her and she has a wonderful time and she's free. Listen, let me tell you something. If you let hope loose in your life, if you let hope loose in your house, if you feed that hope, I'm telling you, it will bring joy. To everyone and to everything that you do, it will fill your life, it will fill your heart. This is the hope that comes from the Holy Spirit living in your heart. Amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise. Amen. Bow your heads and let's pray. Bow your heads and let's pray. Father, thank you today. I thank you, Father, for that hope that comes. Because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, today, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would rekindle that hope and that you would give the wisdom to know there's some individuals here today that buried their hope a long time ago. I pray today in the name of Jesus Christ that you would dig it up. You'd give them the wisdom to dig it up. Thanks, Thanks Jasmine. Lord, some of us We don't even remember where we buried it. It's been so long. Even the prospect of going back and trying to find it, it just feels hopeless. When we come to the place where even finding my hope feels hopeless. How deep in the deep are they who cannot even cry out of the deep? When I find myself in such a pit that I can't even cry for help there. So lost that I can't even find my own way back. Finding our hope is not something we can do by ourselves. So Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for your help today. Lord, there are those in this room right now and even those watching on the live stream and even some who will hear this broadcast later who would say in their hearts I want to find my hope but I need your help I need your help I need your help and that cry for help is the beginning of the restoration of hope because even the cry for help is a cry of desperation and desperation requires hope that is the first level of hope is the hope that if I turn to God he will give me back my hope Ask him. He'll give me back my hope. So I want you just right where you are to just begin to pray this prayer. Lord, restore my hope. Restore my hope. Increase my hope. Increase my hope. Lord, some of us don't even know what to hope for. Give me something to hope for. Give me a hope. Give me a future and a hope. Give me an expectation. I've had so much bad happen in my life, I've begun to expect that more bad things are coming. It's easier to expect that than to expect something good and be disappointed. But Father, I pray that you would remove the expectation of evil and replace it with the expectation of good. Something good is coming. Something good is coming. Something good is coming. Good things are coming. He holds blessing, told, he holds victory in store for the righteous, the scripture says. He holds victory in store for the righteous. He's got a storehouse of victory. Say to those who are fearful hearted, do not be afraid, for behold the Lord with his strong and mighty hand, he will come and save you. He will come and save you. You shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. May the God of hope fill you with all hope as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I speak that blessing over you today in the name of Jesus. May the God of hope fill you with all hope as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that the candle of hope would be lit in our hearts today in the name of Jesus that place where we gave up on the living hope that you gave us, restore it today. And for some of us, we need to receive it for the first time. Lord, there's some here, even listening under the sound of my voice, who've never received Jesus as Lord and Savior. Father, I pray that the hearts would open of those who have not received you today, that they would embrace that living hope, that new birth into a living hope, that it would happen today for somebody. Let today change somebody's life. Let today change somebody's eternal destiny. I prayed in Jesus' mighty name. Just open your heart right now, whoever you are. Open your heart right now and say, Jesus, come in. Give me new birth in you. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me and make me clean. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Dwell with me. Fill me with hope. Fill me with hope as I trust in you. Thank you for giving your life for me. And Lord, for each and every one of us, we thank you for giving your life for us we give you praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' precious, holy, mighty name. Amen and amen and amen and amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise. Amen. Stand up on your feet right now. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time in your heart, if you opened your heart to Jesus, would you just come and let me know at the end of the service today? And if you don't feel comfortable coming and letting me know, would you just let one of the leaders know in this house? so that we know to pray for you and to believe for you. But everyone else, just lift, everyone just lift your hands right now. Father, I speak your blessing over your people today. I bless your people with peace and with strength and encouragement. This season of Advent, let it be like no other. Let there be greater revelation of the coming of our Lord Jesus than we've ever had before. Bless and prosper your people today. I pray it in the name of your Son, Jesus, and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you and have a wonderful day.